And we're back. Welcome to Episode 8 of the Try Hard Fantasy Football Podcast. Today is Part 2 of our Week 1 Preview. We will also go over our takeaways from the Thursday night game of the Chiefs and Texans. It's me, Stephen. It's Brian with a lowercase b. Should we get right into the action, lowercase Brian? I do not understand that reference. But sure, let's get right into it. We got a lot to cover, so no time for your crazy antics today. So last night, the Texans got trounced by the Chiefs, 34-20. to But I think the big takeaways were the running backs, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, both had good games. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had the better game with 25 carries for 138 yards and a touchdown and really looked elusive and certainly like he belonged as an NFL back. What did you see in him, Steve? I thought he looked good. Uh, I was more impressed with him as the game went on. And when I say as the game went on, I mean I only watched the first half. But um, he was he didn't have like jerky movements. Like he looked very fluid in the way that he moved his body. Uh, maybe it's because he's so tiny and compact. But I don't know. I thought I thought he looked good. And and the way that his body is like I, I'm talking about his body a lot. But the way that his body <laughs> is like tiny and compact, he looks like I'm. St- just this is just a inference like he might be less injury prone than some other people i mean i don't know about that but he he looked um like a very fluid runner with great vision to me certainly had shifty hips that nfl evaluators like to talk about and i do think he avoided big hits for the most part he got pancaked one at one point um spinning away from jj watt right into the Texans defensive tackle at the goal line but other than that didn't take any huge hits I will say is as good as he looked and as good as that stat line is I would have some concerns as a season-long fantasy owner he only got two targets which was tied with uh Daryl Williams for the Chiefs backfield didn't catch either one and his diminutive size really showed itself, I thought, in the goal line carries he got. He got four or five of them and obviously and didn't get into the end zone on those carries. His touchdown was a longer run. And so I think he hit, there's a lot of concern to me about his ability to score from inside the 10, which is pretty important for running backs. And I'm also not too sure if I'm convinced that he's going to get a lot of receptions this year, you know, he'll probably get the 25 30 that, you know, most running backs get, but I, I'm not sure if he's going to pay off at this point where he was being drafted in the early to middle part of the first round. Um, I agree. Um, not just because of the, of the targets. I think that the Texans are a really bad team. <laughs> I think that they that uh, they took advantage of a really bad team, and I I think that when um, the season gets going, we're going to see Clyde Edwards Hilaire less when he's not needed. Yeah, have, I certainly agree. Yeah, um, they have so I, many uh, different targets on that team that I don't think they need him to get twenty five carries to win a game. Yeah, I mean they definitely don't need him to win. They were, I mean, I think he got. You know, the bulk of his carries, once the Chiefs were up by 20-plus points, which they were for most of the game, the game wasn't even as close as the final score might indicate. 
the Chiefs pretty much dominated until the Texans started getting some garbage time scores. And I was actually going to mention your point about the Texans being a bad defense after we talked about David Johnson in that he also faced a bad defense and that as good as both these running backs looked, and we'll talk about David Johnson in a second, I think the final verdict won't be decided until we see either of these teams play at least an average rushing defense because I don't expect the Texans or the Chiefs to stop running backs at all this year. So this was really a best-case scenario for each of them. But with that, let's move on to David Johnson. Oh, one, more thing, who, one more thing. Okay. Um, what I saw from the Chiefs last night looks like that, that looked like a Patriots game. That looked like you don't know. You assume if they run up the score, everyone is going to get a share of the fantasy points. But I have a feeling that going into each and every uh, game from now on, and if they can't run up the score, you're not going to be sure who's going to be targeted. Because they play so they played so well that they they targeted uh was DeAndre Washington, Demarcus Ro- Robinson Demarcus the, Robinson. Demarcus Robinson multiple times in the end zone simply because he was the open guy. And I think that's the way you're gonna see the Chiefs play out this year. Like some some players have big games. <clears throat> Sorry. Some players have big games and some players who you expect to have big games because of what they did last year and the year before. They, they just don't because the Chiefs are a much better team this year. I totally agree. I don't think that the Chiefs really showed anything last night as far as new looks or innovative looks. I think they just ran their basic offense, and that was plenty good enough to destroy the Texans' defense. I, I agree with you to an extent. I think in games like this where the Chiefs win easily or are playing a bad defense, the ball's going to get spread around a lot, and it's going to be hard to predict. I do expect, however, that Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey will still pay off their draft value and will be useful in DFS in closer but high-scoring games. You know, if the Chiefs were playing the Ravens, for example, I think they start leaning on their superstars quite a bit more because in crunch time, even professional athletes will just rely on the guy they trust the most as opposed to throwing to the open guy. So something to keep in mind. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the Chiefs offense, I think, will only get better, and they looked pretty darn good in week one. But let's move on quickly to David Johnson, because I don't want to spend too long on this game. We've got eight other games to preview today. But David Johnson put up a very good line with 11 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown and added on three catches on four targets for 32 yards. So he looked perfectly good and adequate, I think is the best way I could say it to me. Not really explosive, but smooth and patient and a runner, kind of like Le'Veon Bell is known for doing, and took what the defense gave him. Did you see anything else? No, I I would agree. Um, yeah, that's pretty much how, what I saw too with David Johnson. Yeah, yeah, it's, I'd say for him, he looks like he's going to fit in right right where he was drafted. You know, kind of the between the fifteenth and twentieth best running back. I think he'll slot in right there, assuming he stays healthy. As for the rest of the offense on the Texans, I thought Will Fuller looked. Like he was heads and shoulders above every other receiver in fa- as far as his comfort with the offense and the comfort that Deshaun Watson had in him. Fuller ended up with eight catches for 112 yards, and no other receiver was close to him at all. I think this reaffirmed to me that as long as he stays healthy, he is going to be a solid R- or wide receiver two, if not possibly a wide receiver one. 
A wide receiver one, even though he only got, from what I heard, only got targets in like like good targets in junk time when they chucked the ball to him. I mean, I think the Texans didn't look good overall, so that's not that's not inaccurate. But I don't think the Texans really got anyone good targets until junk time. And I just Deshaun Watson didn't look in sync with Brandon Cooks or Randall Cobb. Cobb was Cobb really got no looks until the fourth quarter, and uh, Cooks didn't seem to be his usual self, and Watson didn't seem to look for him as much. It, it looked to me like whenever the Texans had a third down or a big play they needed, it was Watson to Fuller. And I expect that to continue at least in the early games this season because the, well, the Chiefs look like they are – ready and raring to go for this season and ready to defend their Super Bowl title. The Texans, to me, did not look ready and looked like they could have used a couple preseason games. Yeah, they looked like garbage. <laughs> well, all right, so let's move I on I don't to, disagree. <laughs> let's move on to uh, the rest of the games this week. So first off, we have the uh, America's Game of the Week, the Colts at the Jaguars. The Colts are a 7.5-point favorite. The over-under is 45 uh, I don't care about this game. <laughs> yeah, so so in that vein, Steve, I want to play a little game. I mm-hmm. want to see if you can name five Jaguars players. Okay, and at least right. one of them has to play defense. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. So, do you want to put any money on this? No, this is just a game for the podcast. Ah, <sighs> okay. Because I actually had this planned out. All right, whatever. I'll go along with my joke. Um, Mark Brunel, Byron Lefwich, Chad Henney, Cecil Shorts, Justin Blackman, and Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> Close. You know, I think it, I, I like what you did with that, Steve. I think it would have been even better if you had just named, like, the five Pro Bowl defensive players that have been cut or traded or released in the last I don't know. two I years. I only know Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> yeah, Jalen, well, Yannick Ngakwe, Ngakwe, who I apologize oh, yeah, to true. again because I still haven't got his name. Traded to the Vikings. You know, Ronnie Harrison was a starter, just got traded to the Browns. It's, you know, Jacksonville's uh, a hot mess in every sense of the word, but I just wanted to throw that game out there just to prove that point. But I think really... The biggest thing in this game, and actually there's a lot of questions in this game because I don't know that anyone is sure what these two teams are going to look like this year on offense. The Jaguars obviously losing Leonard Fournette and having a new coaching staff and the Colts being a Phillip Rivers team for the first time. So there's going to be a lot of questions, but I think the biggest two for fantasy this week is just what you're going to do with the running backs specifically with Jonathan Taylor and James Robinson. Because I think, I don't think anyone's playing Marlon Mack this week, maybe in a really deep league as a flex. I think nobody really has trust in him because he hasn't been hyped at all this offseason. So I think if there's a Colts running back that people might want to start this week, it's Jonathan Taylor. Do you have any faith in the rookie from Wisconsin? Are you seriously asking me this question? That's a good point. Okay, Steve will not be starting him. And and to be honest, I'm not sure I would either. I think this is going to be a true 50-50 split between Taylor and Mac. And in that case, only one of them likely is going to have fantasy value at all, and it's just going to be the one that happens to get lucky with a touchdown. So the only and thing I would say about the Colts is that 
I am slightly interested in them in that they could rise up to slightly less than mediocre fantasy relevance, depending on how well Philip Rivers works in that offense. And that's literally it. Like, there's no there's no ceiling for the Colts. <laughs> like, the ceiling is slightly less than mediocre. <laughs> I think that's probably true for everyone. Other than, I'm pretty hyped for T.Y. Hilton. He's another receiver that has some health issues, uh, usually every year. But I think with a good quarterback that can get him the ball accurately and on time in the route could be huge for T.Y. because he is such a good yak guy, yards after catch. I, but let's I'm move pretty on. Sure, I, no, no, hold on, hold on. I'm, okay, pretty sure okay, that, I'm pretty sure that before this all started, a bunch of people got together and pulled some names out of a hat and said, we're going to hype these guys for no reason. We're going to say things like, he's got a quarterback who can get him the ball and stuff like that. And uh, T.Y. Hilton was one of those names they pulled out of a hat. You know, I kind of felt that way, not to go backwards in our podcast already. I felt that way about CEH last night watching the game, that... The, he got he's gotten so much hype I think just stemming from the quote Andy Reeve Andy Reed gave saying that CEH might be better than Brian Westbrook that the announcers last night every you know mainstream fantasy and and normal NFL analyst has talked about CEH all offseason it seems to be all this hype for a guy that he's not Saquon Barkley he's not Ezekiel Elliott and he's not even Leonard Fournette coming out of college. Like he, he is not that unique of a physical specimen compared to those guys. And so it that struck out to me as well that there are certain players that get hyped a lot over the offseason and that kind of carries on. But that's enough of a tangent. Let's, Who do we got? let's talk about James Robinson really quick. So Steve, just because I already know what you're gonna say, he is an undrafted rookie out of Memphis that apparently was good enough in training camp for the Jaguars to be comfortable releasing Leonard Fournette. So he is the de facto starter, especially since the Jaguars, after releasing Fournette, have had another running back that they were hoping to give some carries to go on the COVID list and a second running back go on IR this week. So it's James Robinson or bust for the most part, especially for early down work. Chris Thompson could see some work in the passing game. And I think he is a stash player at this point only in season long leagues. Like I, I'd target him to pick up on my, to put on my bench right now if you can get him, if he's available in your league. But I, I don't really have any confidence starting him against a pretty good Colts defense. For DFS though, I think he is an intriguing name. I think he's going to be lower owned than Antonio Gibson, the Washington rookie running back, because Gibson's been the known starter for a bit longer, and he's gotten a little more hype. I think Robinson is going to get more of a workload, a more guaranteed workload this week. So I like him more as my cheapest DFS play, but that's pretty much all I'm comfortable doing with him this week. Okay. Who do you have to win? Oh, give me the Colts. Easy. Yeah, I guess. I'll take the Colts, too. All right, next. Browns at Ravens. Ravens are an eight-point favorite against uh, <laughs> against Odell Beckham Jr.'s Browns. <laughs> um, and Why is that so on, funny? I no reason. <laughs> okay, <laughs> an over. I don't under, get it. Oh, you seriously don't? 
No, why is this so funny? What what did I miss? I'll tell you after the podcast. It's not okay. It's not appropriate. Okay. <laughs> an over under of forty eight point five uh, points, forty eight and a half points. Um, Brian, what are you doing with the Ravens running backs? Ooh, it's a good question, Steve. I am starting Mark Ingram as a flex and probably keeping J.K. Dobbins on my bench. He is basically a higher-end version of how I see James Robinson right now. He's a guy that I definitely want stashed. I've drafted him in a number of leagues in the late rounds to put on my bench for now. I think he certainly carves out a very good role in this offense somewhere this season. I don't see it in week one. And I think the Ravens are going to win this game handily enough that they're not going to need to rely on any one guy, kind of like what the Chiefs did last night. And so I'm not really hyped about any Raven running back this week too much. Although, again, Mark Ingram seems like a decent flex play, and that's where you drafted him if you drafted him. So that's really all I have to say about this game. I mean, everyone here is kind of a known commodity. It's you know a lot of carryover from last season. And I think you're starting Beckham, you're starting Landry, you're starting Jackson, you're starting Marquise Brown, you're starting Mark Andrews. I'm probably not starting Austin Hooper, but if he's your only tight end, you don't have a choice. But yeah, this game's pretty straightforward. I don't think there's a lot to talk about. Um, I th- I would take Mark Ingram a little bit higher this week. I think he's going to have a good game against the Browns, and I think that he was actually a good target in uh, daily fantasy as well because of where where he is. Um, not ranked, but what his price is. Yeah, he would definitely be a sneaky tournament play this week. I don't think almost anyone's going to be on him because of the hype for Dobbins and just because he's not as sexy of a pick as a lot of other running backs. All right, Brian, who do you got? Ravens, please. I'm going Browns. Sweet. I'm winning one nothing. I'm just going to mark that down right now. I feel like... The Browns are going to be super hyped going into this year. There's going to be a lot of confidence on their side. And the, not the Browns, I'm sorry, the Ravens are going to be super hyped, a lot of confidence on their side. And it's going to be like, I don't know, Vikings at 49ers, Vikings at Bills. And it's going to be one of those things where they just don't show up because they think they're good enough that they don't have to. See, you overlooked one crucial fact. The Ravens are not the Vikings. Their goal in life is not to disappoint their fans as bitterly as possible. Well, so I disagree. <laughs> but All let's right, move next on. Game. Chargers at Bengals. Chargers are a three and a half point favorite because who cares? And there's an over under of 44 points. Joe Burrow. Who cares? Oh, wait. That's not the question. Um, how will Joe Burrow <laughs> fare in his debut? I think he's going to struggle. I'll go first. Can I go first? Sure. Uh, I'm guessing one touchdown, 170 yards passing, one interception, and 40 yards running. Ooh, that's not bad. I actually think if we're going to do that, I'd, I'd bump it up to like 260, 265 yards passing, one touchdown, two picks, six sacks. And then maybe 25 yards rushing. Um, You know, I think Joe Burrow's really going to struggle. The Chargers have 
very good cornerbacks who should match up just fine with A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. And the Chargers have an amazing pass rush. And if the Bengals have struggled at anything, well, they've struggled at everything. But that's especially true with their offensive line. And I think Burrow is going to be under fire all game long. I love the Chargers' defense this week, especially in DFS. They've been, they're a lot cheaper than I'd expect. And I think Joe Burrow is going to have a rude awakening in his NFL debut. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think he's going to get even close to 260 yards passing, but um, it's all garbage time, baby. This is the Blake Bortles type of fantasy point of cruel. Maybe. I think it's just going to be an ugly game. Um. All right. So, who do you got? Chargers or Bengals? I mean, for the third straight time, I don't even see the point in asking. Chargers. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take Chargers. All right, and next, next, for all of the uh, white nationalists in the country, this is your game oh, of the geez. week. The We're Bucks, going there. The Bucks at the Saints. I, I'm sure they're going to be watching. They're all going to be watching this game, so they can be like, "Boo!" When when the players lock arms in the middle. Anyways, yeah, we didn't cover that, but yeah, that that was not a good look for Kansas City last night. All right, they're fans. <laughs> well, okay, I should say. actually, you know what? You know what? Since I, this is my pod. Get your own podcast if you don't like it. This is my podcast. So, <laughs> um, last night it felt. This is real. our podcast. Yes, Excuse our me? podcast. Um, it felt. I don't. I, I don't feel weird saying this. It felt really icky, like a little bit like slimy and gross. The way that they were parading them out there, the all of the players. It felt like, like. They're giving the players permission to express things that other people in the world have all have been expressing already. Like they're giving them permission. It felt really not good. I did not. I did not like that at all. I definitely get where you're coming from. I actually turned uh, to my girlfriend as we were watching the game, and we were talking about how it's it's a really positive thing in our country right now that. Public opinion has shifted enough and pressure from minority communities has shifted enough that white people are understanding enough to convince these big, powerful corporations that are sponsors of the NFL and the NFL itself that they have to take a stand for social justice. That's good. But I agree with you. It felt very forced the number of times Chris Collinsworth talked about how he supported the players and their right to speak, and then he would give a you know, be a little two sides-ish and say, whatever way people believe, it's good to see this. You know, it's good to see players using their platform. And, and then that, all the commercials... Virtue, virtue, signaling, virtue signaling. Yeah. And, and, and you'd see all the commercials of the NFL parading what they're trying to do for equality and for Black Lives Matter now. And it's good they're taking that step, but it seems so disingenuous after they destroyed Colin or attempted to destroy Colin Kaepernick's livelihood and his character when he took a knee years ago and was saying this is the exact same thing. I, so, I definitely felt that the NFL was really pushing on something that I'm not convinced they care about yet other than because it, it would cost them dollars not to take this stand. Our, our first two takes were not super controversial. This is a little bit more controversial. Okay, um, back in sl- slavery times, okay, before uh, be- 
back when there were two uh, types of slaves on plantations. There were those that worked in the fields and those that worked in the house. Okay, what would what would happen is a lot of times those that worked in the house would then be given special treatment if they would go out into the fields and tell the slaves there how great the masters or the or the plantation owners were. Okay? And this this just reeks of that. Like now they're giving they're they're paying these players. They're they're saying, here's your permission, here's your chance, here's your here's your opportunity to now tell everybody how great these white owners are. And I it just felt gross. And that's that's what I have to say about that. I don't agree with that. I think that I I think the players have more autonomy and this is more driven by the players than you seem to think. Uh, do you think I this would have happened owners, last year? No, I think that's what the owners are, how the owners see it or how the owners want this to be seen, that all these players are vindicating the owners and saying they're good guys. I'm not sure the players are wholeheartedly saying that, but that's getting down. We're getting down some really difficult conversations that I'm not sure are best addressed in a podcast where we still have five games to get through plus DFS picks. All right, so let's in the in the words of the of the great Colin, no Chris Collinsworth, let's uh, get that out of the way and now get back to football. Yeah, I I really used to like Chris <laughs> Collinsworth. He's one of my favorite announcers. It was it was not good last night, but anyway, Buccaneers Brady and Saints. Yeah, the battle of. The the quarterback with the greatest career in NFL history versus the quarterback with the best stats in NFL history. It's pretty. It's, it's actually pretty exciting. I'm I'm kind of glad we get to see this twice this year. The Saints are a three and a half point favorite. Uh, the over under is about fifty forty nine and a half points. And your only note is: Do you trust Ronald Jones? I mean, look, you're starting Michael Thomas. You're starting Alvin Kamara. If you actually believe in Jared Cook, you're starting him. You're starting Breeze and Brady if they're your quarterback. And you're starting Chris Godwin. And as long as Mike Evans is healthy, you're starting him. I guess that's a note now that he's been out of practice the past couple days. So we'll have to see uh, at the end of the day, Friday and Saturday, where he's listed on the final injury report. So that could be a big factor. But other than that... I don't think there's a lot of questions in this game other than I personally think it's going to go way under that 49.5 total. I think this is going to be a much lower scoring, albeit very close game, than some totally people agree. predict. And so I just don't have a lot of questions in this game because, frankly, no, I don't trust Ronald Jones. I'm not star- I don't trust Leonard Fournette either. I, don't, I wouldn't put anywhere in DFS or in season long any Buccaneers running back, just plain and simple. I'm interested to see how um, Evans, if he plays, um, and Godwin respond when Brady throws one of his, like, you know, super engaged temper tantrums. I'm interested to see, like, their response to it. I think they'll take it, especially in week one. The question will be how long they can stand that for, especially if Brady looks like Brady from last year and not the Tom Brady of legend. (laughs) <laughs> because of lore, there's a big difference. Yeah, uh, there's a big difference between those two Tom Brady's. 
So, so we'll see. I, I'm excited for this game. I think that'll be a really fun game to watch, and I look forward to watching it uh, on Sunday afternoon. All right, and then let's move on to the most overrated game of the week. Hey, uh, hey, who you got? Tom Brady oh, or Drew okay, Brees? Yeah. I always forget about this. Um, I have... Uh, this isn't my big upset. My big upset's Browns at Ravens. Uh, Browns beating Ravens, but I'm going to no take kidding. the Bucks. I'm going to take the Bucks. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I can't fault you. I think this is the hardest call of the week. I'm taking the Saints just because they're at home, and I do think they're a slightly more complete team than the Buccaneers. But this is a toss-up, true and true. I'm shocked that it's three and a half points difference. So now for my witty intro for the next game. (laughs) The most overrated game of the week, the Cardinals at the 49ers. 49ers are a seven-point favorite. The over-under is 47. Running backs... Running backs, running backs, and running backs. So what should we do with them, Brian? 49ers. Who do you believe in? I mean, I haven't been huge on Mostert at all this preseason compared to the hype he was getting, especially in late July, early August. It seems like a lot of people have tempered their expectations for him to be more in line with mine. But I do think he's a solid flex play against a pretty bad Arizona defense. I think Tevin Coleman in a really deep league is also a low-end flex, you know, maybe 14, 16-team league. But other than that, I'm not hyped for them. I wouldn't want either one to be my RB2 for the week. But they're solid players. I think the bigger question, what I'm more interested to see, is how the Cardinals deploy their wide receivers. Because they've got the ageless Larry Fitzgerald, the new-in-town DeAndre Hopkins, And then the hyped rookie from last year, Christian Kirk, who had a very respectable rookie year and isn't going away. He's not suddenly going to become an afterthought in this offense. So I'm interested to see what the Cardinals do with all their weapons because I think they rival the Chiefs, not on the same level, mainly because of the quarterback, but they rival the Chiefs in the number of weapons they have that they can count on to be at least good, if not better than that. See, I don't I don't think that anything is going to change. I think it's going to be exactly the same as last year, will where Christian Kirk will have a respectable year. Larry Fitzgerald will fall from grace and who is the other guy? DeAndre Hopkins? Nope. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins will have a significantly less uh smaller role than he did on the Texans. I I, I don't yeah, see it being I, agree. I don't I agree. I don't see I it being any different because I don't think the team is very good. I don't think the coach is very good. I don't think the quarterback's very good. And I, when you have that many weapons, especially now that people are hyping up Kenyon Drake, uh, is he is he he's not hurt? Is he? I thought he was hurt. No, he he was hurt. He was in a walking boot a couple weeks ago, you know. But he's gotten out of that, and it seems to have apparently been no big deal. So yeah, he's think- back and should be fun. I think what we'll see is just normal numbers, like flex numbers from Kirk. We'll see not startable numbers from Fitzgerald, and we'll see wide receiver two numbers from DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I think that's fair. For the 49ers running backs, I like Mostert. Um, he he fills that role for me like that I like for my number two running backs, which are like touchdown-dependent running backs. And... Uh, 
I think that's that's pretty much what he is. He's going to get the ball. He's going to run it down the middle. And he's probably going to score some touchdowns. So I like where he's at for a number two. I know you only like him for flex, but I like him as a number two in season long. Yeah. That's fair. I want to, before we get you know angry comments from the listeners, uh, clarify, Christian Kirk is actually in his third year, not his second. Not that we get a lot of angry comments from anybody, but just to throw that out there. Well, I could start post. We could start posting on Twitter. There's plenty of anger there. That's true. We could just yeah, put some facts on there. Ah, uh, but anyway, who you got? Anger. Let's move on. Oh yeah, 49ers. I'm not um, a Cardinals believer. So neither am I. But I am a what is this NFC West? Yep. Right. I'm an NFC West believer in that you cannot predict who wins an NFC West game. Um, so I will take the Cardinals. Not as like a big upset because I don't think it should be this this high of a um, uh, di- point differential. But um, yeah, I'll take the Cardinals. I agree, it's going to be closer than seven points, but uh, I think you're you're reaching here in some of these picks. But let's move on. We got the Sunday night game next. Cowboys at Rams. Cowboys are a three-point favorite. Over under 51.5. What a joke. Um, is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is Cam Akers an RB2, Brian? No, not really anymore. I think he's a flex again because uh, it How seems How many flexes like- do your leagues have, Brian? They have one, but not you don't have all these guys on just your team. The better question might be which running backs are left to be RB2s after you demote everyone to a flex. But Akers is listed third on the depth chart, which I don't read too much into. But Sean McVay has said that they're going to go, to a large extent, running back by committee with all three of their backs in Brown, Henderson, and Akers. And I believe that. And so for at least this week, I don't have a lot of faith that Akers is going to get a huge amount of carries or targets. And so I'm more skeptical of him than I was, you know, a couple weeks ago. That being said, I agree. I think this game will be, you know, go under the over-under. And I don't think it's going to live up to the hype that a lot of people are giving it. I am... I'm shocked at how many sites and projection systems are listing like all the Cowboys players as the best scorers this week in fantasy. I just, I don't see it. They have too many mouths to feed and the Rams aren't a cakewalk team. I don't see Dallas putting up 30 plus points like they apparently are projected to do. Yeah, I agree with that. And I don't know who Cam Akers is. I don't know who CeeDee Lamb is. So how many times? You really need to start watching the draft, buddy. Uh, No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) When these players get good, then I will worry about them. From this year, I think reliable is better than uh, boom or bust or take a risk. So I don't care who CeeDee Lamb is. He's not going to be on my team. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, you know, as I guess, as you so eloquently asked about how many targets he's going to get, I think he's going to get five or six. I think the Cowboys do spread it around, but I still think Lamb, especially in his debut, falls a bit behind Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup in in terms of target share. So he so Brian, is can I, a hold on me. I have a follow up. Does that put him as like a low end flex? No, he's a stash. He's he's not a flex for me this week. I don't I don't have faith in him in this game. I want right, to see who you him got? produce. 
Give me the Rams in the upset. I'll take the Cowboys. Um, I think the Cowboys are going to come out swinging after Skip Bayless, you know, really got was mean to their quarterback. <laughs> okay, you're just trying to get us off on all the tangents in the world here. I thought we were trying to, you know, can be more concise, and now you're just opening up cans of worms. Other than, I'm not going to, I don't want to actually get into that much more than just Skip Bayless is a joke, and it's disappointing to me that anyone still listens to him or gives more than a passing thought to anything he says. Here's the Even problem. Even a passing thought. Here's the problem with it. I'll also make one comment and then move on. But um, this this argument did not get... So when Skip Bayless said that, people didn't see that and then turn it on to the issues that um, Dak Prescott was facing and that a lot of people in the country are facing. No, it went on to Skip Bayless, exactly what he wanted. And now he gets more attention than depression, than anxiety, than all of these issues that other people are facing. It's all about Skip Bayless now, and it's nothing about Dak Prescott or anything that him and a lot of the country is going through. So, good job, Twitter. All right. Steelers Steelers at Giants. Another Monday... Oh, no. One of the two Monday night games. Steelers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under is 48... I, I think that's believable. Um, I think the Steelers will put up 48 by themselves. So. Oh, I don't know. I, li- I, li- I like the Giants' offense. Um, so, Giants wide receivers. I'm a big. I'm a believer in Golden Tate, but I agree he's probably... I agree with your note that he's probably not more of a flex. Yeah, I just don't... I mean, I'm a believer in Golden Tate, but I'm also a believer in Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram. And especially Saquon Barkley. Like, there's this is another team that there's just so many players that you like, it's hard to know who's going to have the standout game. And I think the Giants wide receiver core is going to be one of those where it varies every week. You know, if you're looking to play them, good luck to you. I hope you get, you know, are the fortunate one that your player has the big week this week. Or if you look to play him in DFS, maybe just pick the cheapest one and plug him in and hope he's the one that breaks out because... I think it's going to be really hard to predict week to week as things stand. Have we all been underrating the Steelers' offense, Brian? I mean, not all of us. I haven't. I think they're going to be phenomenal. Like I said, I, I think they could put up 48 this game by themselves. Uh, I'm super high on James Conner. I'm disappointed that he's the Monday night game, so he's not on the main slate for DFS this week. I think Juju is going to return to his 2018 form with Big Ben under center. And I even think the you know kind of ancillary pieces are going to perform for the Steelers. I think they are going to be very, very good and kind of come out of nowhere to a lot of people because they haven't been getting any hyped because... I don't know. Maybe it's because none of their players are new to the team, so that's not as intriguing to talk about. doesn't make a good headline to say Juju Smith-Schuster continues to look impressive like he does every training camp. Um, I think you're overhyping them. I think they come back to what they were in like 2018 and being an above-average offense. Um, but I think in the NFL nowadays, an above-average offense is, is not super common. So... I think they they look like the Cowboys, basically. I think they're going to look like the Cowboys. Um, yeah, but but for fantasy purposes, that's huge. I mean, I, I believe in 2018, Big Ben was the number three overall QB. Like, they 
they are not just a good offense, like you're saying, but they're concentrated. Like, they give all their touches to one running back. They heavily focus just their top two receivers. I think there's a lot of fantasy value to be had in this offense. But uh, I agree. I haven't I seen anything from, talk about from it. the top end, though. So. Yeah. Not like not like uh, their second running back or their third wide receiver or you know their second tight end like on Philadelphia. I think it's just their number one tight end, number one receiver, and number one uh, running back. Yeah, I think I I like Deontay Johnson too. Their wide receiver too, but he is. We'll have to wait and see how he works with Ben Roethlisberger because he Low did all flex. this stuff. He's a high end flex. <laughs> okay. He might even be a low-end wide receiver three for me this week. I, Do you I have two flex slots in your league, a low-end flex and a high-end flex? Some of them. No, <laughs> that's not. High-end high flex, like, it's like he's the top of the flex board. You know, like, after you get through your, your RB1s and 2s and your wide receiver 1, 2, 3. Like, come on now. You you know what I'm saying. I, I get it. I we're, we're turning into that podcast that just calls everyone a flex and don't want to, you know, don't want to take a stand. But it's just we're specifically only talking about the questionable guys here. So, like... We're not going to talk about James Conner, who's obviously a starting running back for everyone this week. Like, that's all we need to say about him. So it's just not interesting to talk about. That's why most of the guys we talk about, we're going to say, are they a flex or are they not a flex? Okay, who you got? Oh, Steelers again. This all these games in this podcast have just been super easy for me. Yeah, I'll take Steelers. Although I could see it going other either way. Um, oh man, can you imagine the Daniel Jones hype if he upsets the Steelers? It will Monday be unbearable. <laughs> I will not be able to listen to Matthew Barry for, like, weeks. Yeah, that's true. All right, Titans add Broncos, the other Monday night game. Broncos are a one-and-a-half-point favorite somehow. Um, the over-under is 41. Like, okay, that's really low. Um, how much faith do you have in Derrick Henry at mile high? I, have- I don't have a lot. That's really? why this question is more for you. Yeah, I... Start okay, okay. The altitude there is real, and the difference it makes is very real. And I always have concerns about the road team in mile high to open the season more than even like mid year. And I have concerns about Derrick Henry being able to take 25 plus carries like he normally gets a mile I, up from sea. I level. think he's just going to go to the bench and get oxygen after every couple plays. But yeah, but that means he's coming out for a couple plays every couple plays. That's that's exactly my point. Is I I don't know that he can't produce his normal five yards a carry and be a good and you know relatively efficient back. But he's going to need big plays to really churn out fantasy value. Given he's a first round pick or a high price DFS play, because he won't be able to be there top, every play. I bet he's a top five running back this week. Oh, wow. I don't think he'll be a top 10 fantasy running back this week. Ooh, if only we were doing bets. <laughs> I know. We're really bad at coming up with our shtick for these these bets, but uh, I'll take that bet from you, Steve. Okay, well, we need to actually have a structure on air production. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we'll have to do that. But, Steve, here's my biggest question for you. Are you even going to make it to the start of this game? Because this game is going to start really late at night. Well, No. If it started at 6 p.m., no. <laughs> this is this is the kind of game that like I will read the stat line, and that's about it. I don't <laughs> I don't care about it. I'm not a Titans fan. I'm not a Broncos fan. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's going to be a particularly great piece of football to watch either. I'm going to definitely start watching the game, but it may be difficult, especially if the Steelers-Giants becomes a snooze fest by the end of the third quarter. Like, sitting around waiting for the fourth quarter to play out and then for the Titans and Broncos to start may be a bit difficult. But but we'll see. I I like the Broncos here, Steve. I think they hold off Tennessee at home. How about you? I'll take the Titans, I think, with Von, Von Miller still out, right? Oh, yeah. He's out for the year. Yeah. With Von Miller out, I think you're going to see a lot more running from Ryan Tannehill in this game. All right. So let's go uh, recap it just a little bit by picking three of the games that we had that were against the spread. Um, I'll go first. So three of my biggest games against the spread, not counting the Cardinals at 49ers, because I think that's a toss-up when it comes to NFC West. But uh, I had the Falcons beating the Seahawks. I had the Bears beating the Lions. That wasn't that big of a game. but And then my big one was I had the Browns beating the Ravens. Browns being the Ravens. Well, right, you're Brian? sticking. So you're confident in those, huh? Pretty confident, yeah. So, so I look at this a little different than you. So, for example, I'm picking the Dolphins to upset the Patriots. Oh, I have that but one I'm too. Not, but I'm not super confident about that. I, oh, I am. And so I'm much more confident that some favorites are going to destroy the teams they're playing. So for me, I'm taking the Seahawks minus 1.5 against the Falcons. I think the Seahawks are the far superior team. And while the Falcons will keep it competitive... I think the Seahawks probably win by a touchdown. And I'm also going with the Eagles minus six against the Washington no-names. The Eagles, again, are just infinitely better. Even though the Eagles are probably just slightly above average compared to the rest of the NFL, the Washington football team is way, way below average. And so I think the Eagles win handily this week. And then my, I think the safest bet of the week by far against the spread is the Chargers minus three and a half versus Cincinnati. We've already talked about how big of problems I think Joe Burrow is going to have this week. And even though I'm picking all road teams, I think all three of these teams are going to win and win pretty easily. All right. DFS update. I have three, uh, three picks that I think you should target. Uh, for DFS this week. Brian's going to go through a couple more in less than 10 minutes. Um, my three value picks that I would take this week based upon uh, where they're at is Brian, Brian Fitzpatrick for sure, 100%. It's only 5300 one of the lowest priced uh, QBs. Jordan Howard, he's almost one of the lower priced, like viable running backs at 5100 for DraftKings, 5500 for FanDuel and 11 for something else. Yahoo. Come on now, buddy. Yahoo. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 5300 for DraftKings, 6400 for FanDuel, $23 for Yahoo. Then my last pick would be Janu Smith, ranked way too low uh, for playing against a mediocre team, uh, 4400 on DraftKings, 4900 on FanDuel, and $12 on Yahoo. I agree. I like all those picks, which I don't always do with your DFS picks, but I especially love Jordan Howard on Yahoo and Janu Smith uh, on DraftKings. I think they are priced way too cheap specifically on those sites and should be way more owned than they 
than they are going to be. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I like quite a bit. He's just priced kind of similar to some other quarterbacks I like just a bit more, though his price on DraftKings is pretty enticing. For me, I'm going to give uh, a player or two at each positions and run down and just give a little more explanation than Steve went into. Uh, but for quarterback, I'm really looking at Cam Newton this week, especially in cash games. He's 6100 on DraftKings, 7300 on FanDuel, and just $26, which is really cheap on Yahoo DFS. I think he is a guy that's very likely to see price increases over the course of this season. He's a talented guy, and he's he was still doing it with his legs in 2018 when he was hobbled by a series of injuries. And so I think he's more valuable than a lot of people remember, and they're just thinking of the two games last season where he looked like a statue in a shell of himself. So I really like Cam Newton more in cash than tournaments just because I'm not exactly sure how you'd stack him with the pass catchers in New England. I guess probably just James White and Julian Edelman, but I don't really love those two picks. At running back, the first guy I want to talk about is Austin Eckler. I think he's a fantastic play this week against Cincinnati. He's just 7K on DraftKings, 7700 on FanDuel, and $27 on Yahoo. A little more pricey on the latter two sites, but still a really good bargain. I know the Chargers have been talking about giving Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly some work this preseason, but I'm not seeing it. I think Eckler's going to be the guy, and I think he's going to have a big day. On the other side, the other running back I want to talk about is Todd Gurley, who is just 6,100 on DraftKings, 7,100 on FanDuel, and 18 on Yahoo. Pretty much across all the sites other than Yahoo, where Chris Carson is also priced down at $18, Gurley is by far the cheapest running back that I think is a lock to get a full starter's workload, and that's why I'm, I'm so high on him. He has a pretty good matchup against the Seahawks, but it's just also he's going to get enough volume that you're going to see positive returns for that salary. Moving on to wide receivers, my favorite high-priced play of the week is Devonta Adams at 7,300 on DraftKings, 8,000 on FanDuel, 32 on Yahoo. He kills the Vikings. Just every game, he kills the Vikings. And this year, the Vikings are without Daniel Hunter and are have three new starters at cornerback. So I fully expect Aaron Rodgers to look Adams' way early and often. I think he is easily the best high-priced wide receiver on the slate. The only consideration for a similar high-priced receiver would be Chris Godwin if Mike Evans is inactive, which we don't know as of Friday morning. My other two wide receivers I want to talk about quickly are cheaper guys. Henry Ruggs the third. Uh, 5,100 on DraftKings, 5,100 on FanDuel, which is crazy cheap on that site, and $15 on Yahoo. He is the wide receiver one for the Raiders. The Raiders are playing a terrible Carolina defense, and I just think he's way underpriced for his big playability. Another guy I really like is Deshaun Jackson, who's just 4900 on DraftKings, 5700 on FanDuel, and $20 on Yahoo. I'm a little less as you know, high on him, given that it appears Jalen Ragor may actually play in this game, but I still think Jackson is a superb play, and not just because he's gone crazy over the last couple of season openers. He is just a good, reliable target for Carson Wentz, and I think he's going to get a lot of run this week. Finally, for tight end, the two guys I like the most are George Kittle, the highest-priced tight end on the slate, 7,200 DraftKings. 8K on FanDuel, 2900 or excuse me, $29 on Yahoo. 
Um, everyone knows who George Kittle is. He's just Travis Kelsey is not on the main slate. Kittle is just the best skilled tight end and has the best possible matchup against the Cardinals, who were the worst team in the league last year at allowing fantasy points to tight end. Otherwise, if you need to go cheaper, I like Hayden Hurst of Atlanta a lot. 4300 on DraftKings, 5200 on FanDuel, and just $15 on Yahoo. He is a solid, if a little bit risky play, just because he is on a new team. But if he gets anywhere close to Austin Hooper's workload from last year, he's going to be a fantastic play. And finally, I want to give kind of my sneaky stack of the week. And that for me is going to be a Raiders stack of Derek Carr, Henry Ruggs, and Darren Waller. I think the Raiders are going to have be a higher have a higher scoring output this week than a lot of people are expecting. And Carr, who is fifty nine hundred on DraftKings and twenty just twenty one dollars on on Yahoo, is especially enticing to stack with. He's seventy one hundred on FanDuel, so I'm less excited about him there. But Ruggs, we already talked about, and Waller is a tight end that has just put up crazy volume his whole career, and I especially love him on Yahoo where he's just $16. So I really like that Raiders stack, and especially it's really easy to run it back with Christian McCaffrey or DJ Moore and create a game stack. So those are my favorite DFS plays of the week. Trying to wrap this up really quickly for Steve because I know he's got to get going. The only thing I'll say, if you want to get some more plays and some more information about these players, we'll be posting an article on the website that will detail all my best and top picks for DraftKings this week. And generally speaking, any of those players you could use on other sites and you'll do pretty darn good as well. And the website will be going by a new moniker. Uh, yeah, that will be in the uh, show notes for not the show notes, the podcast description notes, whatever. I like show notes. Yeah, the show notes. Okay, um, that's that's a totally different thing, though. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Brian does the DFS stuff. I play casually DFS. I play casually both, but I'm just good at season long a lot. But be- I'm a lot better at season long than I am at DFS right now. Well, you've been doing it a lot longer, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just started DFS last year. So that was our podcast. If you didn't like the part in the middle, I don't really care. Um, but, uh, <laughs> sorry. I don't um, even know that we got that kind con- I think we've said, we've talked about more controversial things than that before. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, yes, we'll be back for the recap show probably Monday or Tuesday, uh, next week. So have a good time and i feel like i should say peace out or something later dudes